here. <gasps> Hi. She's hopefully will be good. Hi, Pepper. Hey. <laughs> Kelly's starting off on a good fit already. Hello from Nashville. I'm Kelly Sutton sitting next to Amber Anderson at the Amazon studio on Historic Music Row. So much has happened over the past week since we last talked to everybody. Yes, it has. Parties and interviews and tour announcements. Where do you want to start, Kelly? I think we should start with the fact that Casey Musgraves' dog snarled at me. (laughs) Pepper, not much of a Kelly Sutton fan. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to take it personally, but I kind of am taking it personally. (laughs) So Casey is center stage on the podcast today. We got a chance to catch up with her over Zoom from the road. That's right. She was in Philadelphia, and right before we started the interview, her dog Pepper popped up and wanted to share the spotlight with Mom until she didn't. I mean, it was a short visit. Pepper decided not giving interviews that day, but it gave us a chance to ask if Pepper was a good road dog. Pepper's honestly been great. Yeah, she oh, she's done. She's like, goodbye. She, I feel like has been better out here than at home. Maybe she's just a dog that needs a lot of stimulation. You know, she's a blue healer. So if there's any blue healer owners out there, they kind of know what I mean. They need a task, you know? And if they don't have a task, they're going to create their own task. So I think out here with um, all the stimulation, all the movement and like constant things to see and do, like I think, I think she really likes it. It's been nice to have a little hotel buddy, you know. Casey gives us all the scoop about her star-crossed Unveiled tour, which is now underway, her Grammy nominations, and her highly personal new album a bit later in the show. We're also going to be talking about cooking, antiquing, the benefits of traveling with the semi if you go antiquing. You know, Casey doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, so we were thrilled that she would come on our podcast. Basically, we just get to hang out backstage in her dressing room chatting about all the things. Yeah, so stick around for that. That was a whole lot of fun. In other news, number one parties are back. I mean, kind of. There was a party. This used to be a staple on Music Row. So when a song went number one, the performing rights organization, so BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC, would throw a party to celebrate the songwriters who wrote the hits. I would say there are probably 30 or 40 of these parties a year, if not more. Right. And they were always at three o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) on a Tuesday or Wednesday, because that's how we roll on Music Row. There are speeches given, plaques handed out, usually finger food, plenty of alcohol. I mean, it's a good time. Obviously, all of that stopped when COVID hit. So Kelly, you got to go to a number one party last week. Yes. This time for Kenny Chesney's song, Knowing You. But I do it all over, because damn. It was so fun to see people that I literally have not seen in almost two years. So a lot of times you get to interview the artists at these events. Did you talk to Kenny? Kenny was not receiving media before the party, but he did give a speech on stage. And you know, I never go anywhere without recording gear. You never let us down. Get us into the party, Kelly. You know, the first time I heard it, there was a lot of people that came up for me. You know, some have passed. Some are not in my life anymore. There was, it's just, and I think that's the genius of the song. It doesn't really, it's not really specific on either or. And I I felt like that a lot of people would really relate to it if I related to it like that in both ways. And so, Adam, Kat, Brett, thank you very much. I love you guys a lot. 
The song had three writers on it, including Kenny's longtime buddy, Brett James, who is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. The coolest part was hearing from songwriters Kat Higgins and Adam James. It was the first number one song for both of them. And I'm guessing since it was a Kenny event, there were plenty of tropical island drinks served. Oh, you know, there was a whole menu of Blue Chair Bay rum cocktails. Blue Chair Bay is the company that's Kenny's. We'll catch you up on some other news headlines in just a few minutes. Then, in our heat index, we'll share some music we're digging from the Country Heat playlist. It's our job to make sure you stay on top of the hottest new releases from Nashville. And in our Rediscover segment, we'll help you discover one of the pioneers of country music you may not be familiar with, Linda Martell. She was the first Black woman to play the Grand Ole Opry. It's only recently that she's been getting the long overdue credit. Her story has not often been told, so we are thrilled to be sharing part of it with you today as we celebrate Black History Month. Along the way, we will have all kinds of fun with some benchmarks from our time together each week, including Who Said That? Where you try to guess who it is we're quoting from country music. And our burning question, which this week is answered by several of our previous guests right here on the podcast. We have to fuel up for all of that. So let's head into the kitchen and find out what's cooking in Music City. Well, soon Eric Church is going to be cooking. Or at least he'll be hiring some cooks. Eric is the latest country artist to announce he'll open a bar down on Lower Broadway, the downtown tourist district, which already has namesake bars for Blake Shelton, Luke Bryan, Dirk Bentley, Miranda Lambert, and Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, don't forget Jason Aldean, John Rich, and Alan Jackson also have bars down there. When are we opening one, Kelly? Um, I would say 2025. Okay. Okay. Eric's place is going to be called Chiefs. And it's more than just a bar. It's going to have a seated music venue in it. Yeah. And if you've been to Nashville in the past, he's taking over the old Cotton Eye Joe's building right across the street from the Hard Rock Cafe. There's also going to be a rooftop barbecue joint and, of course, lots and lots of Eric's memorabilia. Eric was our very first guest on Country Heat Weekly. Literally, the paint was still wet (laughs) in this studio. And at one point, someone opened a closet door none of us had even noticed. Eric joked, that would be the perfect place for a bar. That's the only purpose of that closet right there is that one cord. Yeah. That's an important cord right there. <laughs> that is. So, Kelly, if we ever need that cord, that's where it she is. She put a bar there. It'd be a great place for the bar. We'll name it after you. Guests are here. I'll just serve. I'll be in there. You open the door. I'll be the guy. The I'll just be holding it. You know? <laughs> ever since then, we've been having the artists on the show sign that door. We've yet to put a bar in it, but one day, Kelly, one day. One day. <laughs> so do you think that he got the idea for his bar from being on this podcast? I think we probably had a lot to do with it. Let's just, let's be real. <laughs> so in <laughs> other news, a shout out to Mickey Guyton. Good things keep happening for her. InStyle Magazine came up with a list of 50 badass women who are making the world a better place. And Mickey came in at number six. Love seeing her recognized for her work opening up country music to women of color. The list also includes activists, entrepreneurs, actresses, and athletes all trying to improve the world around them. And then she followed up that news with a huge announcement. Mickey will be singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. I saw that. I have never been so excited to watch a football game. The Super Bowl happens Sunday, February 13th in Los Angeles. Yay, sports! Okay, so did you see Luke Bryan announced his 2022 tour this week? 
I did. The Raised Up Right Tour. Yeah. So basically, Luke is playing his residency at Las Vegas this month. And then I think he's doing American Idol in the spring. And then he launches his tour June 9th in Charleston, West Virginia. Yes. He's taking Riley Green and Mitchell Tenpenny on the road with him. They're going to hit more than 30 cities between June and October. So much going on. Did we cover it all? I mean, I know you probably didn't watch the Chiefs-Bengals playoff game Sunday, Kelly, but did you hear what happened to Walker Hayes? I absolutely did hear what happened to him. (laughs) Or should I say, what happened to the CBS broadcast team? Yeah, that's better put. I mean, I saw Walker's tweet. I immediately went to watch the video. So Walker was performing the halftime show in Kansas City. And I guess some sound guy messed up somewhere and Walker was coming through the broadcast louder than the guys on the set. The offense that dominates the intermediate area, they're going to win. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they are nickel and diamond their way down the field. He had no idea, I have confirmed. Walker had no idea that this was happening. And the crazy thing was how long it went on for. And then... Social started blowing up. I guess when they were walking back, like off the stage, back to the bus, they're starting to see everybody's tweeting and texting him going, oh my gosh, you just completely took over the entire (laughs) halftime show. There are memes floating around with a quote from the broadcast team and then someone coming in with like a trombone saying fancy like Applebee's. I mean, they're hilarious. But I guess Walker was number three trending on Twitter like his name, and then Halftime Show was like the number eight trending topic on Twitter right after that. You know, there's no such thing as bad press. And I do think it's (laughs) funny that he wasn't going to be televised. No, not at all. Fancy like will not be denied. It will find a way. (laughs) It will. It is the song that will not stop. I love it so much. Also, let's give a shout out right now to our great sound engineers. So thank you, Aaron, for making sure that we have no distracting audio bleeding through our monitors in here. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. We welcome Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Walker Hayes. Checking out the Country Heat playlist, it looks like the 2022 Amazon Music Artists to Watch are taking over. I noticed that. I think there are at least four of them on the playlist right now. And for those who don't know, Obviously, there are like a zillion country music playlists available on the Amazon Music app, but the marquee playlist is Country Heat. It's kind of like the pro league. Everyone wants to make it in the NFL, but you have to play in college first, maybe some AFL. So streaming on Country Heat is like a running back playing for the Rams right now. Amber always coming through with the sports references. Now, I see our friend Lily Rose is on there. Fun fact, we did Lily's interview over Zoom, but she came by the house one day and signed the door that we were talking about earlier. I love, love that. I got so excited when we saw her name up there. Her song, I Don't Smoke, is on the playlist right now. I'll tell you right now, trying to sing a song that Breland sang the demo on, just don't, just don't do it. Joey Moy, my producer, would be like, yeah, you want to try to hit that little run right there? And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. Breland and Shay Mooney are up here and the rest of us are just trying to keep up, you know? <laughs> if you missed our chat with Lily, she was great. So be sure you go back and listen to episode seven of Country Heat Weekly. Not sure what to say about the smoking theme that we have going on in the playlist right now. Morgan Wade's also tackling that same subject in her song, Wilder Days. You say you hate the smell of smoke. You only used to smoke when you drink. 
Morgan is the cover artist for the playlist right now. That's always a big deal for a new artist. I saw her tweet about it. Yay, Morgan. Another artist we've been watching is Willie Jones. He is still on the playlist with Down by the Riverside, and he actually comes up in our Casey Musgraves interview. Yeah, she has an interesting connection to him. Keep listening for all of that sweet tea to be spilled. And then Bailey Zimmerman is another one of our artists to watch. He has a song on the playlist called Never Coming Home. Bailey's voice is pretty distinct. There's some grit in there. And I got you blowing up my phone Cause you don't wanna be alone Close that door on me of course, there are plenty of superstars on the Country Heat playlist as well, including the latest songs from Luke Combs, Miranda Lambert, Kane Brown, and Dan and Shay. Keep up with all the hottest songs out of Nashville by following the Country Heat playlist on Amazon Music. And for a more guided experience, we've got you covered. Just ask Alexa, play Country Heat in DJ mode. The station Country Heat in DJ mode on Amazon Music. <laughs> Okay, here we go, Amber. It's time for Who Said That? And I'm going to read a quote from one of the artists on the Country Heat playlist. Everyone at home gets to guess who said that. I'm ready. Okay. A lot of people say it's good to get some time off. But for me, I just think people are forgetting about me. Oh, who said that? Do they need a hug? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Keep listening and we'll tell you right here on Country Heat Weekly. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, it's time to tell you who said that. Did you figure out who was afraid they were going to be forgotten? Yeah, a lot of people say that it's, you know, it's good to get some time off. But for me, it's like I I just feel like people are slowly forgetting about me. Kane Brown. I know. Can you believe it? He will not be forgotten. What is he talking about? (laughs) Now, granted, it has been a while since he said that, but I don't think anyone's going to be forgetting him anytime soon. He is making a mark on country music right now. Each week on Country Heat Weekly, we swing the spotlight to center stage and sit down for an in-depth chat with one of our favorite country artists. Before we connect with Casey Musgraves, let's just remind everyone of how amazing she is. Okay, well, she is a double Grammy nominee this year, but a six-time Grammy winner. Four of those came in 2019 when she steamrolled through the awards ceremony, picking up four Grammys for her album, Golden Hour, including the highest award in music, the all-genre album of the year. Oh, my God. I don't even know what to say. Um... It was unbelievable to be even in a category with such gigantic albums. Really brilliant works of art. Just, uh, it's really crazy. Her music has continually evolved from her debut album, Same Trailer, Different Park, which was released in 2013 and won ACM Album of the Year. She's released four albums, including last year's Star Crossed, plus a Christmas album, and has performed everywhere from Sesame Street to Saturday Night Live. And I'll let you figure out which one she appeared on wearing nothing but a guitar. Definitely was not Sesame Street. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Let's connect to Casey now backstage in her dressing room in Philadelphia. Casey, hi, welcome to Country Heat Weekly. How are things in the city of brotherly love? Well, it's been good so far. We've had a couple of days off. Got to do a little bit of 
shopping, got to have some really yummy food last night. It was this Israeli place and it was really good. And we got to kind of commune with the King Princess group a little bit. So I think it's like important to make time for stuff like that on the road, you know? And I hear you were bar hopping on Monday night. You went to Tavern on Carmack, which looked like it was super fun from the social media videos I saw. It was, yeah, it was a local like piano bar. It was, it was super fun. And there were people of all ages, like just ripping songs in there and some Broadway stuff. It was really cute. And, like the band came and yeah, we ended up singing. I like couldn't help myself. I was like, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. All right. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Congratulations on Starcrossed Unveiled 2022. Have you headlined arenas before? I haven't. It's my first time. You know, I've gotten to be on tour with some like really awesome artists that, you know, have um, headlined arenas. So, I mean, I've obviously like played in them, but it's a little bit of a different thing when you get to curate, you know, your own production and bringing your story to life in, in your own way. You know, having that volume of fans there, like it's important because we're doing less shows this this tour coming back after COVID, everyone kind of has reassessed, you know, their bandwidth and their capacity. And for me, I think that means less shows, but thankfully being able to do bigger ones. So it's really cool to see like people like coming out, they're excited to have a communal experience or dressing up, you know, they're wearing the cowboy hats, the gays are turning out for me. And it's so fun. Always the good energy, always. Well, and I remember seeing you like when you've done the Ryman, you know, that's a very intimate setting and some of the theaters that you've played in the past when Mm -hmm. you're doing arenas, how do you transfer that? Because you love to have that energy exchange and to be, you know, to have that one-on-one feeling. So how do you get that in that same big arena feel? It's different for sure. I mean, but my, my goal was to try to bring that intimate theater vibe to arenas. So when you walk in and you see these giant velvet crimson red theater curtains and like this really ornate like proscenium that looks like a theater it would bring everybody in you know and make them feel like you know we're back in these intimate theaters and then I really just try to you know just stay conversational with the audience it's a little bit harder when the room is bigger like that but I don't know it's a fun challenge and I think like getting out and experiencing the city that you're in and getting to know where you're at and having a little bit of context for the crowd is not, is a nice way to be able to like, you know, have conversations where you're not saying the exact same thing every night, you know? So tell us about the preparation for this tour, the creative direction. Did you dream all this up during quarantine? Um, well, ever since the album was created, I feel like it's just been, it's presented itself in a really visual way for me, but working with like the tour designer, his name is Rob Sinclair. And I'm a fan of his kids. He did all, all the Tame Impala tours they're such a vibe and they're fun to watch live. So I thought he would be a cool fit for me, you know, to bring this story into life, like in a visual sense. But um, yeah, it's, it was intense, you know, after not being on the road for a couple years and, you know, getting back into like, even just singing every day like that, like I haven't been singing that much. So it's been um, a challenge. So we're loving the new album. Thanks. We love it. Love it. Thank you. How much of it are you playing in your live show? I believe we're playing all but a couple songs. Okay. It was a tough set list to figure out because, you know, you, you do want to make everybody happy, but you can't please everybody, you know? And, and ultimately, there's going to be people that walk away going, damn, like, why didn't she play this song or why didn't she play this song? And so I think ultimately, like, figuring out what creates the best kind of rhythm and flow, like, throughout the whole thing is the most important. And even if that means you kind of have to leave a song or two out. But we make room for like a fun cover. We make room for a handful of Golden Hour songs. You know, so I think there's like a little bit of something for everybody in there for sure. The album Starcrossed is obviously incredibly personal. Mm -hmm. It 
continues to push the borders of country music, which is something you've always done. Why is it important to you that part of your identity is in the country genre? So, I, you know, I grew up in Texas. What comes out of my mouth always leans country. I can't help that. And I and I think that country, like, if you look at its roots, is a, is a pretty expansive, you know, palette of a bunch of different kinds of music, you know. And so, naturally, I'm just, like, kind of inspired by so many different things. I mean, I grew up singing, like, country and Western, but, you know, there's there's a whole wide range of other things that I was growing up listening to. So it would be Shania and the Dixie Chicks on, you know, one day, and then the Spice Girls, NSYNC, Sade, Allison Krauss, you know, Fleetwood Mac that I would hear around the house. So Neil Young, Tom Petty, like there's just like a ton of, ton of different influences there. So I think I'm always going to be experimenting with different styles that inspire me. And I think that like my true fans respect that. Like I could have made Golden Hour again if I really wanted to, but I really don't think that my fans would have really respected that or I, I wouldn't have respected that about myself. You know, I don't really believe in doing something again just for the sheer sake that it worked before, you know. Well, and you mentioned the fact that, you know, this is incredibly personal for you, that this album is really what you were living through and you were super vulnerable. Yeah. So were you kind of terrified to put this out? Well, there's always a bit of melancholy, like in my songs, even if it's like a happy song, you know, I kind of can't help that. There's always a slight depressive undertone in there somewhere. So there was a little bit of that in Happy Sad too, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it is scary being vulnerable and opening yourself up to uh, the opinions of others, you know, the criticisms of something that is a very deeply personal moment in your life. But I mean, it was an album that I had to make regardless if anybody else liked it. So you know, it made me feel good to make. It made it was cathartic for me. Um, it was a release for me emotionally. So, you know, that's really, like, at the end of the day, all that matters, I feel. Your song, Camera Roll, is mm-hmm. nominated for two Grammy Awards. I'm sorry, two country Thank you. Grammy Awards. Thank you. Best country song and best country solo performance. Do you consider that the most country song on your album? Um, It's hard to say. I, I definitely think it leans that way, for sure. I feel like genre lines are so blurred these days, and, you know, everything... It's all relative to everybody, right? You know, I just hope it falls in the good category versus bad, honestly. I don't want to see them, but I can't delete them. It just doesn't feel right yet. So you've got Grammys, you've got ACMs, you've got CMAs. How important are those things to you at this point? The industry voted accolades. I mean, I know that there's certainly a validation and it's lovely to see the work that you've put in be, you know, honored in that way. But what do they mean to you? Mm, I mean, you know, it is at, at the end of the day, like it is being recognized by your peers, you know, the industry or whatever. Uh, that being said, I don't think that you should ever try to like shoot for that basket, you know, just to be able to win something or whatever, because that's just never going to end well. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice to put a couple more on my shelf, but I'm not like, I feel like, you know, Golden Hour, like it achieved the top, the highest that an album can possibly get. And I'm like, what, what more do I want, you know, from that? All I can ask for is creative freedom and, you know, authentic fans being able to live my truth and portray that in a creative way that makes me feel good. And if that results in more trophies, that's awesome. Speaking of the shelf, where do you keep your trophies? Do you have a shelf? Right now they're in the Country Music Hall of Fame. They're on display. Okay, that's a good place, Casey. That's a good place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's really fun. I got to curate a display there with actually my mom. We've made fun of her for years because she's kind of like a little hoarder when it comes to like 
the just all the memorabilia over the years and we're like do you really really want to keep that well it finally paid off because carrie got to curate a country hall of fame a country music hall of fame display with me (laughs) and it was actually like really cool to work on with her and you know we dug out all this embarrassing shit and detention slips and like terrible haircut pictures and all the things. Amazing. <laughs> well, I do want to talk about, you know, what's happening in country music right now. We're we're seeing a bit of a revolution. We're seeing a lot more people that are being welcomed mm. to our table. And that's what we're, we are really all about that here, especially totally. in Amazon. And you have always been a champion of that. I mean, we still have a long way to go, yeah. but I feel like we're moving in the right direction. And I yeah. want you to talk a little bit about that because you've been one of the first to say, hey, we want want everybody to come to country. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, if if you're talking about country music, it's a genre built on what's supposed to be real songs about real people, real life. And there are roots in this genre that spread way into gospel and, you know, folk and bluegrass and I mean, all kinds of music from all over. And, you know, I just feel like one thing that that I've been really like happy about is that people feel like I think they're invited to a party that they may have not felt invited to before, like when they come to one of my shows. And I don't know, I just think it's really cool to see all the genre widening in a lot of different ways. But yeah, like you said, I do think that there are, there is a long way to go. Um, because for me, it's not just about inclusivity, like in the LGBTQ community, but like, I'm so glad that there's more country artists of color or songwriters of color. I feel like, you know, hopefully like a widening of even song matter, you know, inclusive inclusivity, like what we're singing about, what the songs are sounding like, just diversity across the board. So I think, you know, maybe that you do have to take baby steps. And I think there's always going to be people that are closed minded in any institution or genre or whatever. But I think that it's, it's really cool to be alive in a time where things are being push forward, even if it is in a small way. Who are some rising stars that maybe have caught your eye that you think the world needs to know about? Mm. Do you have any favorites? I'm into Willie Jones. I think he's doing some really... We love Willie Jones! We love Willie. He's like, he's actually really good friends with my boyfriend's little brother. And so I see him from time to time. And he's just so chill and so nice. He's one of our artists to watch in 2022. And I got to see him live... A couple of months ago, and I was like, yep. I mean, I've always loved his songs, but I mean, he really sells it live and he has totally like has a vibe. It's great. Well, you've got a show tonight. So what's your pre-show routine? Like after we hang up here, what are you going to do? (laughs) Well, I'll probably mosey down to catering. Seems like they have a good uh, menu tonight. We're really lucky. We have some really wonderful uh, chefs on the road that take care of our whole touring crew and, and our, all, all the bands and everything. And it's, it's one thing that everyone like really looks forward to. I think when there are so many constant, constant changes and shifts, like in the road, one thing you really look forward to is like a hot, really well-prepared meal because it's, it's hard to be healthy sometimes on the, on the road. So like catering the big one, I have like my, my dressing room, like I, I've brought things from home, like my books and like some crystals and like things, obviously pepper, <laughs> So I, I hang out in here. I kind of like Kiki with the glam team next door and we get ready. We have fun picking out the outfit and, just, you know, create, crafting the look for the night and maybe sipping on a little bit of something, you know, to get ready for the show. I, like that. I know that sounds yeah. fun. Can we come? It is fun. That it sounds is really like so fun. Much fun. And, then, and then at some point before the show, before I get pulled to walk to the show, the band and I, we all line up tequila shots and we all like cheers each other and say like, have a great show. And we do a tequila shot together. Oh, okay. Now we really want to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to be a part of that. Listen, we yeah. know that you love to go antiquing that's something i adore as well what are some of the cool gems that you found in the the years that you've been going around 
Oh man. Um, well, the other day it was the first tour stop and I went to this place and I found this ridiculously giant head. It was like a statue and it's like a resin head that looks like it's, I don't know, a thousand years old, but I was like, I want to put that in the garden. And so that's the problem is traveling with an empty 18 wheeler or like a, an 18 wheeler that has space in it. It's they're just enabling, they're just enabling it in the there. shit out of me. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a problem in every tourist. Oh, and then I found this painting a couple of days ago that was like from the 1800s. It's so beautiful. So I got that too. Before we let you go and get into your pre-show routine, what are some of the podcasts that oh you God. really enjoy right now? Did you just spill? Oh, I'm cool. I just spilled literally all over my entire body. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. We didn't even see it. What are some of the podcasts that you love? Oh, man, y'all. I don't even know. I need a podcast recommendation. I feel like I'm behind my next listen, I feel like, will be Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. Do you cook at all? I mean, it's got to be hard because you're on the road so much, but do you enjoy cooking when you're home? When I'm home, yeah. That's something that like me and my man love to do together. We'll like pick out a recipe, go to Whole Foods, grab all the things, come back, open a bottle of wine, and like put on some songs, trade songs, and um, just sip wine and cook. And he's actually a really good cook. So it's like, it's fun. It's a good day. Instead of going out, you know, um, I kind of like staying in. Yeah. That's like a relaxing feel right there. It's a good vibe. Well, listen, all the best tonight. We're going to see you here in Nashville, February 11th. I'm so excited. Yeah, this show is gorgeous. I'm really proud of it. You know, I've I've made it a point to, to make sure it's got like enough beautiful eye candy for everybody. But you're not going to get, the songs aren't going to get lost in it, you know? So if you're coming and you're wanting to listen to the lyrics, listen to the songs, like, I got you. But it's also going to be really pretty. Well, we're so excited. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good to see you. It's time to rediscover some country music from days gone by. I always feel like I learned something in this segment, but we're really doing some country music 101 today. In celebration of Black History Month, we want to shine the spotlight on someone that, quite honestly, it's hard to find much information about. The first Black woman to play the Grand Ole Opry. Her name is Linda Martell. Linda was born and raised in South Carolina, and she started singing gospel music in church. But her dad also often listened to Hank Williams and other country music on an AM station out of Nashville. In fact, I read where Linda said that until she was a teenager, the only music she knew was church music and country music. Her first performing group was an R&B trio with her sister and a cousin. They eventually disbanded, but Linda continued performing solo. She was performing on an Air Force base when a furniture salesman with no history in the music business heard her performing country music. It took a while, but he convinced her to not only pursue a country career, but to let him manage her. Now, this was right around the time that Charlie Pride was finding success, and her manager was looking to replicate that with a female. One of the first songs she recorded after signing her record deal was a cover of a minor pop hit, Color Him Father. I think I'll color him father. That went to number 22 on the Billboard Country Songs chart. She followed that up with When the Last Teardrop Falls, which later was a hit for Freddie Fender. In August of 1970, Linda released her only album, an 11-song project called Color Me Country. The opening song on that album was Bad Case of the Blues and featured Linda yodeling. Bad Case of the Blues Yodeling 
Linda performed on Bill Anderson's television show, as well as Hee Haw in 1970. And, as we said, became the first Black woman to perform solo at the Grand Ole Opry. She went on to play there 12 times and was put on a big package tour with Waylon Jennings and Hank Snow. So it seemed like everything was going right. What happened? Why did she only release one album? Well, Linda said being a Black woman performing country music for all white audiences was incredibly challenging. The audience would often heckle her and shout racial slurs. And if you think about it, she didn't have anyone she could really go to for advice. No one had done it before. She was really breaking the ground herself. She powered through, though, and continued performing, but wound up entangled in some legal battles with her manager. And then her record label stopped promoting her because she wasn't selling as many records as another female act they had, Jeannie C. Riley. Ah, uh, yeah, that was just after Jeannie had Harper Valley PTA. Now, Linda tried changing labels, but that led to another lawsuit. And eventually, she just went back home to South Carolina, where she still lives today. Linda's name was one of the several Black women that Maren Morris chose to lift up in her 2020 acceptance speech for CMA Female Vocalist. And then in 2021, CMT honored her with the Equal Play Award. And artists including Darius Rucker, Carrie Underwood, Reese Palmer, Rhiannon Giddens, Jennifer Nettles, and Mickey Guyton lined up to pay tribute to her. Rediscover Linda Martell's groundbreaking album, Color Me Country, on Amazon Music. That does it for episode 11 of Country Heat Weekly. I love how it celebrated powerful women in this genre, past and present. Me too. And when you look back at all the guests that we've had on the show, I'm thankful for the platform that Amazon has given to us to tell these stories. In case you've missed the past episodes with Carly Pierce, Jimmy Allen, Dan and Shay, or Lily Rose, dig into the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And get ready for next week when Breland will be here with us. He has such a great energy. He is just so much fun. Have you met him before, Kelly? I haven't. I'm such a fan. I love watching him, and I think he's going to be so much fun. He has a really interesting story, so I'm looking forward to getting to know him better. Hey, everyone listening, do us a favor this week. Share this podcast with a country music fan you know or someone you want to be a country music fan. We're going to be looking for the Country Heat Weekly hashtags on social media this week, so use it loud and proud. Here we are again, Kelly. Time for a burning question. Over the course of season one, we've been asking our guests what their favorite podcast is. Now, a lot of them try to cheat. <laughs> Y'all's podcast, Country Weekly. My favorite podcast is this one I'm doing right now. That's my favorite. Country Heat Weekly. It's right there on the wall, guys. Right there on the wall. Well, we certainly hope that Country Heat Weekly is your favorite podcast as well. But there are a few other suggestions from Jason Aldean, Brett Eldridge, Carly Pierce, and Shay Mooney. I listen to all like the whodunit murder, like Dateline and all those kind of things. I'm like sucker for that stuff, man. I really like a guy named Sean Stevenson who is, does a show called Model Health. It's really good. Lewis Howes has a great podcast, The School of Greatness. So max out Ed Milet. There's so many great ones. I I, I'm, I listen to mostly, um, you know, health and wellness podcasts because that's kind of my, that's kind of my lifestyle now. My favorite podcasts are either the Proverbs 31 Ministries, Lisa Turkhurst, or Dax Shepard's Armchair Experts. Very different. Oh man, I love. Uh, there's a podcast called Smartless that I listen to. It's got like Jason Bateman and, and all those guys. It's very funny. But also anything murder mystery like uh, true crime. I'm a sucker for true crime. I like, I like to be scared all the time in my house. So I love to listen to that. 
Mercury Heat Weekly is a collaborative production between Amazon Music and Nevermind Media. Executive producer is Melissa Locker. Senior producer is Joyce Reiser. Recording engineer, Aaron Dethridge. Sound design by Tim Einenkel. Production assistance from Annie Reuter and Debbie Daughtry. Our theme song, Country Time, was written and performed by Mia Byrne. Additional music from Madeline McCormack. The Amazon Music team includes Nathan Brackett, Emily Cohen, Chris Graham, Michelle Kammerer, Eliza Mills, Morgan Jones, and Raymond Roker. Development consultant, Michelle Dix. Critical production support from Marley, Steve, Grace, Winnie, Moses, Wicket, Abby, Jake, Pepper, and all the other very good dogs out there. Be sure to find and follow Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you listen to podcasts so you get the latest episodes just as soon as they drop. I feel like I need a dog just so I can put the dog's name in. I need critical support, too. Yeah. But they're also <laughs> a critical mess at times. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Hey, welcome to Harvey Graw! At these family dinners... Delicious, everyone! Dysfunction is served. <laughs> I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? Jump, jump, jump! It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! Woo, 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 woo. And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept yeah, with. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. Woo! No! I really hope it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. Surprise! Mom and Dad being totally normal. Wow. So... Dinner next Friday, everyone. Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free only on Freebie.